0: God bless the reading of his word today. Uh, What is a game changer? A game changer is a newly introduced element or fact that changes the existing situation or activity in a sense, uh, a significant way. That's what uh, changing the game or being a game changer is. It's something that is introduced that That one time it looked bleak, one time it looked like it would never happen, but suddenly something changed the game. Something uh, was added to the equation that caused hope to come, that caused there to be a a sense that now this changes everything, right? Everyone is not called and gifted to be a leader, but I believe that everyone is gifted for a call, amen? Amen. Now, I know that some believe that everyone is, is uh, you know, called to be a leader. Now, I understand there's different levels of leadership, but there are some folks that just don't fit into that of leading, but they are, have, have been called to do something. And so you will never be fulfilled in life until you serve in the place that you're gifted to do. Can I tell you that I love America, I love the United States, I honor and respect the the position of president of this great nation, but I would have to step down from the place that I am to take on and be the president of the United States. I would not be fulfilled being the president of the United States. Why? Because this is my gifting. This is what I'm called to do. And there, there is nothing that is so fulfilling as fulfilling your purpose, fulfilling the call that God has upon your life. And so that's the reason why it's important for us to understand the, uh, uh, how it, that serving can be a blessing to us. There is nothing more frustrating than serving in an area where you're not gifted to serve. I wish I had somebody real today. Amen. I mean, they ain't nothing like, you know, uh, trying to get somebody to take care of the babies that don't like babies. Amen? Now, I'm just going to tell you straight up, I love babies. Somebody's got to minister to them, but that ain't me. Because if your baby doo doo's in the diaper, when you come back to get him, it's still going to be in there. And We're gonna have some babies with rashes, right? <laughs> Amen. But there's some folks they, they, some, some folks they they see that as ministry, right? They say, "Oh, that pretty little baby, looky there, he done doo doo. Let's clean him up and." And and they love that, and they're gifted, you know, at serving in that area so that that their parents can come in here and hear the gospel themselves and their lives can be changed. It really is ministry. Come on, somebody. Amen. So there's nothing like fulfilling the purpose. That doesn't mean that my position is any more important than somebody taking care of the babies, right? It's just where I've been called to serve. And so whenever you serve where you're created to serve, great things happen and you feel fulfilled in your life to be able to see lives change. Today I want to look when Jesus called his disciples to come and to serve in the kingdom with him. When Jesus chose his disciples, he had to have known uh, that he was picking people that had very different backgrounds. They had very different personalities. He chose fishermen that were known for being rough and sometimes undereducated. And then he picks a tax collector. He chooses people that, that he knew that he could not have everyone being just alike. How many understand that if every, the, everyone in this world was just like you, this world would be boring. I'm glad there's only one me because I couldn't stand anymore. (laughs) Amen? But whenever we come together, yes, we have different backgrounds, we have different personalities, but when we understand the importance of coming together differently, when Jesus picked these men, he had to know that they were not always going to agree on how to do a thing, that some of them would be abrasive. Some of them would not be easy to deal with. Perhaps, just perhaps he wasn't looking at uh, at where they were. He was looking at and saying, if I could get this one hooked up with that one, it would rub off some of the rough edges on them and they would become a finished product right? And, and Jesus saw them not for what they were, but what they would be. He's seen them in their potential. He's seen them to say, if I could just get them on the team and bring, and bring about a finished product, I know that they, they can do great things together. Say together. Yes. Nobody has it all together. But when we come together, we are able to fulfill so much more. Amen. Perhaps he knew exactly what he was doing when he put a tax collector with a hothead. Amen. Maybe he was teaching one some patience and showing the other how to slow down. I don't know. I'm just talking. Maybe he was helping them learn how to work with people that were not like them different in personalities, but to accomplish a common goal, right? Amen. I, for one, am thankful, as I said, that there is only one of me. Nobody can be me like me. And God don't want you mimicking somebody else. All he wants is you, full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And be you, because nobody else can be you like you. And you are able to be a game changer. Amen. God brings us together with people that are not like us. to, uh, And brings us together so that we can complete an assignment that God has given to us to do. You know, I look back over my life and I realize that God has strategically placed people in my life and connections in my life. Some of them are so different than me. I wonder how in the world we ever became friends. Right? But yet, as I look at it, Brother Jimmy, I realize that God put them in my life so completely different so they would bring balance to my life. so that they would, they would be a voice in my life that would bring balance. And even though we may not agree about everything, there is that balance there, that voice, that, that person in my life that will help me to keep my feet planted solid and not go off on a tangent some way or somehow, right? In 1980, at the Winter Olympics, no one gave the American hockey team a thought of ever-winning gold. The coach had let all the superstars go. They said that there were more gifted, there were more talented people, and he would even anger some of the folks that was on the Olympic squad or group because he had let such gifted and talented people go. But he knew that he didn't need a superstar to win. He needed a team to be able to win. And so he realized that this person is gifted and they are so talented that they will not depend upon anybody else. And what I need is they may not be so gifted, they may not be the most talented, but I need some people that will bring their gift and their talent and work together and we can have a team that can win the Olympic gold medal. And that's exactly what they did. Over the months, they learned each other's strong points. And over the months, they learned each other's weak points. And they learned how to use each other's strong points and cover each other's weak points. And as a result, together, they won the gold. And still today, they're known as the miracle on ice. As a team, we can accomplish more than we ever could alone. It depends. Do you want to be a superstar and be in the limelight for a few moments? Or do you want to be a real game changer and change hundreds, if not thousands, of people's lives? And nobody may know your name, but God and heaven keep record of everything that is done. Amen here here at the tabernacle every week there are people that do things behind the scenes so that we can have a spirit of excellence in this house that you never even know their name you may not even know they're a part of the team but I promise you that God records every single time that a life is changed every single time that somebody gives their heart to Christ there is a transformation that takes place God is keeping record of that and in heaven they will be rewarded for it As a team, we can enjoy success that we never could alone. The Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl this year. I ain't happy about it either. (laughs) But the only thing about being a Cowboys fan is you don't get disappointed in February. (laughs) You just know they ain't gonna be there. God help them. Hallelujah. But the Ravens won the Super Bowl this year. How did they do that? Everyone played where they were strong. They never asked Ray Lewis to run the ball, to throw the ball. All they asked him to do, one thing, Lewis, keep San Francisco out of the end zone. That's all you got to do. And he did it. They never asked Michael Orr to catch the ball. They said, Michael, keep this San Francisco off of uh, Fleco, right? Blindside. All right, all you religious people, don't watch movies. (laughs) Bless your hearts. Blindside, right? You remember Michael? Nobody wanted him. His family didn't want him. He was living out on the street, and yet here came some people that that said, I believe in you, Michael, and now he's making millions of dollars playing football, and all he has to do is keep the opponent off of the quarterback. All right, he did that. Flacco, all we want you to do is throw the ball and hand the ball off. You don't need to tackle anybody. You don't need to, to do anything, catch the ball. All you need to do is throw the ball because that's what you're good at. Ray Rice, just run the ball, boy. Run the, we're going to give you the ball. You run the ball. That's all we're asking you to do because that's what you're good at. And so all this team's purpose was, was everyone would look at their strong point, play in their strong point, and others would cover them in their weak point, And as a result, they came out after four quarters, Super Bowl champions. Now you may say, well, that just sounds carnal to me. But it is a spiritual application that we understand how in the body of Christ, nobody can do it all. Amen. The day of superstar preachers is over. If you don't know it, just mark my words down. It is over and done with. Amen. But I'm telling you that God is raising up some people that that may not look so gifted. They may not be as talented as other people, but yet they have a heart and a passion to see the gospel and the kingdom of God advance. And they're going to rise up a bunch of ragtag people. And we're going to come together for one common goal. And that is to see the kingdom of God advance for lives to be changed, for strongholds to be broken, for people to find some hope in their their life again amen and when we share this gospel with power and with authority their lives are going to be changed because of you amen hallelujah come on and give him praise today the purpose of teams is so that i don't have to work all day on something that i'm not gifted at and don't enjoy but i can give it to someone that loves doing it And gifted to do it, and therefore they can do it in half of the time, and they can enjoy it while they're doing it. That's what teamwork allows us to do. Jesus knew that he would need hard workers, somebody that wasn't afraid to get their hands dirty. He knew that he would need an orator, he would need a communicator to be able to communicate his vision. He knew that he would have, uh, have to have a people person, a spokesperson that would, would be able to attract people. So, so he would pick one with that type of personality. And, and he would bring all of these people together. He would need somebody that was detail oriented to make sure that the little things didn't fall through the crack. And none of these disciples on their own had all of these attributes. But he picked and he chose them according to their strengths and brought them together so that everything that he needed, the kingdom of God would be advanced. Until when we read, we understand that when they came together and was on the same page, that they turned their known world upside down for Jesus Christ. Amen. We are the body of Christ in the earth. I said we are the body of Christ in the earth. And the Bible tells us in Psalms 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil that ran on the head, ran down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down to the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen. Amen. Now notice with me that when this anointing came, it came to the head. The anointing always flows down, it never flows up. Amen. But watch this, what was on the head is the same anointing that got on the body. All the way down to the hems of the garment have the same anointing that the head received. All that they needed to do was get in their place. And as a result of getting in their place, rightful place in the body, the anointing flowed. And consequently, because the anointing flowed, it flowed to every part of the body. It started at the head. It went to the beard. It got on his shoulders, his arms, his garments, even to the hems of his garment. It speaks to me and tells me that I don't have to necessarily be the head. I've just got to be a part of the body. And I am able to receive the same anointing, right? That started at the head. All I have to do is be in my place. And then we see that when we are in our place that, that, and everything is in order, the anointing begins to flow. How many know that there has to, things have to be in order for the anointing to flow? Okay, I'll tell you then. Things have to be in order for the anointing to flow. It's easier to drive a car that's in alignment than to drive a car that's not aligned. Right? You can get where you're going, but you're going to have a struggle getting there, baby. Right? And and I don't know about you, but I don't want to just go somewhere. I want to enjoy the journey. I want to enjoy while I'm getting there. So I have to get in alignment so that I can enjoy the process, enjoy the journey. And that's what God is wanting us to do in the body of Christ and being a part of the team and being a game changer is just get in the body in that place that he has created us and designed us to be. And then he said, there's going to start a flow of the anointing and watch this. He he said, there's constant growth. He said, life forevermore. Anything that's alive is growing. If it's not growing, then it's dead, right? But he commanded this blessing. Where is this blessing? This blessing is where people have come together and a part of the body, unified, oneness of heart, in a spirit of unity. He commands the blessing to grow. He demands the blessing to live. He demands the blessing that you're not going to remain the same way that you are. Amen. God fully expects his church to grow continually because this means that lives are being changed for real. Amen. Some people get a problem whenever churches grow and they say, well, it's just too big. I don't know everybody. Do you know everybody at Walmart? Amen. Do you know everybody at Kroger? Well, I know, but we still go there. Right? And so what we have to understand, you under, know that, that they, I read some statistics today and they said it doesn't matter if the church is 70 or 7,000. People know 70 people. 70 people is what we connect with. And it doesn't matter how big or how small it is. But you see, here's the thing. God intended for us to continue to grow. He said he would add to the church... Now, if we're just having people's lives changed on Sunday, how can the church grow daily? But it's not, we come here to, to huddle. We come here to get our directives. Our, this, is, this is command center. This is the epicenter for the kingdom of God, right? We come here to hear from the Lord, get our marching orders, get our our game plan, our directives, but then we leave here and we are the instruments, the body of Christ, so that lives can be changed daily, so that the kingdom of God can grow daily, such as is pleasing unto God. Amen? And then to debunk this other thing, people say, well, all you care about is numbers. Well, how come I care about numbers? Because numbers represent people and people matter to God. It isn't about saying, well, we've got this amount or this many people. It's about that number means these lives have been changed. They were once on their way to hell. But they've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ accepted Him as Savior and Lord of their lives. And now they have been changed, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so that number changes. That number that number, will be important to you when it's your son. That number will be important to you when it's your grandchild. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so we need to understand that numbers matter because it, it represents a person and people matter to God. So why don't we get involved on teams? Why don't we get involved in the game? The number one reason that I hear is, I'm busy. And, can you show me somebody that's not busy today? I mean, we've got computers, right? And they say that by computers, and I thank God for computers. Computers. I wouldn't want to go back to preparing messages like I did when I first started. It's a real asset. I have the world at my fingertips. I love it. But they say that it's supposed to shrink the time that you have to work. And yet, everybody's still busy. I don't know. I, I talk to youth, and they tell me they're busy. They're busy at school, they're busy with school work, they're busy with sports. I talk to the middle-aged person and they tell me they're busy. They're busy with work, they're busy with college, they're busy with children. Then I talk to somebody retired and they're busy. They're busy on house projects, they're busy with travel, they're busy. I think we've just become busy being busy. I think really that it's just become a cliche. How you doing today? Oh, I'm busy. I didn't ask you that. I asked you how you doing. Right? And and a few months ago, I purposed in my mind, and and I I purposed to to when somebody asks me something and, and they and or somebody says, I know you're busy, I tell them, I'm not busy. Because I think it's it's something that's just become a cliche. I'm busy. Well, everybody has 24 hours in the day. Everybody has seven days a week. Maybe that it's not that we are too busy. Maybe it is that our priorities are mixed up and we haven't been good time managers. I'm going to pastor a little bit. It's tight, but it'll be all right. Amen. Maybe, maybe it's just that we haven't managed our time well and we haven't prioritized our time and as a result of this, we're busy being busy about being busy. But in our text, Jesus finds men that were busy trying to make a living just like everyone else. But when Jesus called them, they sensed an urgency to leave what they were busy doing because what they had been called to do was more important than what they were busy doing. God doesn't call everyone to fulfill full-time ministry. He doesn't require or ask everyone to come and forsake all and follow him in full-time ministry, but he does call us all to minister. I'm concerned that we don't feel the urgency anymore. Just pastoring a little bit. Uh, The kingdom of God's work has become a sideline instead of the main event. And we do it if we have time. We pray if we have time. We, we we study if we have time. We go to church if it's convenient. Huh? Now this is what I'm concerned, my brothers and sisters. It's not so much for you and I. It's uh, My concern is when the bloom payment comes due on the next generation. Because we taught them church isn't important. We taught them if you can make it go, if you can be a part, if if you can fit it in there somewhere. They're watching us. I said, they're watching us. And so when they see that, they suggest to them that church is a good thing, but it shouldn't be a top priority in our life. And as a result, we're going to raise up a generation. Are you hearing me? That think it's okay just to go to church on Sunday and not be involved in kingdom mentality or kingdom changing, and, and it, because we've taught them that. And so, while we have to put things in priority, right? Now, how many know the priority? God first, family second. Now, what does family mean? Family don't mean, you know, they got this thing going on where that uh, people said, uh, well, we can't come to church on Wednesday because we got family time. And I'm scratching my head and saying, uh, we're better to have family time than the church. (laughs) I'm just pastoring, trying to help us, right? And... I had a guy told me, a pastor told me, he said, whenever this thing become, you know, popular, this family time thing became popular. He's one of his elders told him, he said, I'm not going to be able to make it to Wednesday night church anymore. He said, uh, I, 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 we got, we've got, we got family time. And, uh, so this pastor, he, he said, uh, about a month of that, he said, my, I was scratching my own head. And he said, I wondered what family time looked like. And so he said, I just slid out of church on Wednesday night and went over and checked out the elder to see what family time looked like. And he said, uh, you know, Mrs. was in the kitchen cooking something. Uh, Elder was sitting in there in his easy chair watching TV and the kids were in separate rooms upstairs playing different games. And he said, I ain't getting this right here. I I don't know, I, I read it somewhere. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and as a secondary result of that, all of these other things will be added unto you. Amen. I know that some people, we've, we've been guilty of this in days past where we have put the church ahead of real family matters, right? And, it, and you get that out of order and it isn't going to work either. But, but what is family? What is important family? You need, to, you need to answer that. You need to think about that. And then he said God, family, and then the church, right? And these are important. Moving along, getting involved was as important to the disciples as it was to Jesus. Getting involved was as important to the disciples as it was to Jesus. Jesus needed the disciples to fulfill his mission, but the disciples needed to be involved to be fulfilled in their lives. Their jobs were a means to an end. But there was still a void of real purpose of being fulfilled in their life. How many, how many have gone through life and never were fulfilled? You just you, was, you did all of these things, but there was still this void. But we are going to see people's lives changed. Amen. Whenever we come together and we fulfill the purpose of God. Now let me say this to you, that we're going to, we're in a a time of no fail. We're believing God for lives to be changed and we're going into an epic season where we're going to talk about the epic miracles of Jesus and we're believing that God is going to grant epic miracles in this house in the next eight weeks. Amen? Hallelujah. That's our faith. But let me just say that we need you. But we're going to see lives changed with you or without you. Our hope is this, that it will be with you because it will be better with you than it is without you. But if you don't, we have a mandate to fulfill. We have a purpose that we must accomplish. And that is that the kingdom of God be imposed upon this earth. And people know that the gospel of the kingdom and fulfilling that promise and hope in their lives will bring real change. It's not just a story. It's not just mystical. But your life can be changed, sir. Amen. Joy can come to you again, ma'am. Amen. And you know him as your Savior, your Lord. You believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and let it live in your life. Your life will be radically changed for his glory. and for His honor. Amen. Hallelujah. I wish I had somebody that knew that today was true. And watch this. Being a part of teams gives you the opportunity to use your gift. And as you use your gift and being a part of the team, lives are being changed. And when lives are changed, you are fulfilled. There's no fulfillment like doing what you know You were created to do. Amen. To know that what you're doing is making a difference in someone else's life. That I'm not just here to live for myself, but I'm here to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings change to people for real. Amen. God never intended for us to work in his kingdom alone. Solomon said two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. Right? Two of us working together can accomplish more before the end of the day than one of us can standing alone. Amen. He has given us different gifts and when we use those gifts together. When we use those gifts together, we can make an impact on our region and lives can be changed. Jesus was the greatest game changer in the world that the world ever knew. We were all destined to go into eternity, lost and undone without God, right? We were all bound for hell. Because we had been separated from God because of Adam and Eve's sin. It separated mankind from their creator, right? And it was hopeless. It looked like we were doomed forever because nobody could pay the ransom price. But thank God Jesus showed up and he became the game changer. Yes, he did. He became the game changer. Because when hell thought they had humanity bound up and there was no hope for humanity, Jesus stepped up and he came out, Emmanuel, God with us. He went into the living room of Mary's womb and he came out and he said, I'm here to be the game changer. I know that mankind has been bound. I know that they've been in trouble. I know that you were hopeless, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Glory to God. Amen. And as a result of that, he came and he brought you and I the victory and he said, because I live, you can live also. He died. He was buried. But on the third resurrection morning, hell couldn't stop him. The grave couldn't hold him. And he got up on that third resurrection morning, victorious over death, hell and the grave. And because of that, he changed the scope of mankind. And he said, you don't have to just die and be lost. Neither." Do You just have to wait to get to heaven to live your life and be fulfilled. But I have come that you might have life now. I have come that you don't have to be pulled through the uh, not hold backwards. You don't have to hold the fort till he comes. But I have come so you can enjoy life and enjoy it to its fullest. And you can be able to change other people's lives through the message of Jesus Christ working in you. And now he's called you to be a game changer. Now he's called you to operate out of your strong points. And somebody else will be strong where you're weak and vice versa. You'll be, you'll be strong where someone else is weak. But as a team, we cover each other. And as a team, people don't see our weaknesses. They only see our strengths. And together we can advance the kingdom of God. Amen? You see, God wants us to be a game changer. He wants us to speak the gospel. How can you go wrong speaking the gospel? How can you go wrong telling this story? Some people say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, just tell what God's done for you. You can't mess that up. As old Sai would say, you can't mess that up, Jack. Right? It's just that easy. We tell others what Christ has done for us, and it gives them hope that if God did that for them, He can surely do it for me. And when they accept Him as their Christ and their Lord, their Savior, their lives are changed. And consequently, they want that same joy and same hope in somebody else's life. So they share that with them and their life is changed. And the kingdom of God continues to go on and go on and go on. Because we're working together. You can reach people that I will never reach. I'll reach somebody that nobody else perhaps is able to reach. But together we can reach those who God has entrusted to us. Together we can be a team, a strong voice in this region that we can reap the harvest that is set before us today. How many know there's multitudes of people within a 15-mile radius of this church that are bound by drugs, alcohol, perversion, and they just need somebody to tell them God can set you free from that. They're people without hope. They're on all kinds of drugs today. And listen to me, I'm not preaching against drugs, you, you know, whatever, if doctors give you something. I'm, but people have no hope. And so they have to take this medicine to cope with life. Because they don't have the joy of the Lord. And we've got the answer. We can help them. We can't do it alone, but we can do it together. I want to be known as a game changer. I want to be known as somebody who shared the gospel. And lives were changed. Laid hands on the sick and they recovered. Set the oppressed free by the power of the Holy Spirit. And know that because Jesus did it for one, He'll do it for all. The only thing that is greater than seeing someone's life changed is for you to have life change yourself, for you to accept Christ as your personal Savior. And for you to understand that the old man is gone and there is a new man that has showed up. It it isn't turning over a new leaf. It's about having a new life. And having that life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now here at the Tabernacle we have eight teams that you can be involved in. You've seen them. We've done the videos today. We have all, several others, so if there isn't something there that kind of fits you, uh, talk to somebody out here, and, and we'll get you hooked up. We have the outreach team, the front line, the follow up, have the shock and all, the worship team, the students, the childrens, the life groups, and these are the eight teams that make up our structure. But there's a whole lot of other things that are going on. So if you, you don't hook up with one of those, be sure you get involved somewhere because we're going to do more this year, not just in missions, but here locally. We're going to do more. We're, we're already in the plans and the strategy and, and uh, the elders we talked the other day. We're going to do more to, to reach our community through outreach. We're going to do more to reach another generation of our student ministry. Uh, those young adults and teenagers, we're going to do more to reach them this year. We're going to impact this region with the gospel of the kingdom, but we cannot do it alone. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a place. Just get in your position. and When the anointing flows, it'll flow over your life. And we together, we can change lives for his glory and his honor. Amen hallelujah stand with me this morning part of this invitation is going to be for you to just connect with a group today but that's after we get finished here but today i want to more importantly the first step of being uh, a game changer is for your life to change for real And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today, I want to give you that opportunity now to know Him personally in your life. To know that you can't make it on your own, but with God in your life, all things become possible and your life can change. Amen. If you're here today and you need special prayer, you've come believing God for healing, you need a miracle in your life, we're going to take time this morning to pray for special needs. Uh, before we dismiss today, we won't.